Turn with me to the book of Second of, of uh, First Peter. Uh, Second Peter, yes. Are y'all excited about the word this morning? Second Peter, chapter one. We've been looking at the things concerning miracles and specifically how to become an always answered asker. Not just hitting 50 percent, not just every once in a while, but have, becoming an always answered asker. Let's just say that with the uh, first. Uh, let's put I'm in front of that. I'm an always answered asker. Let's say it again. I'm an always answered asker. I tell you, it'll make you where you pray right. It'll make you where you praise right. It'll make you where you live right. If you know that what you ask, what you go to God with is going to be changed, going to be answered in your life. Well, I tell you, that's what we're supposed to be doing. The world doesn't have any answers. We do. So we got to show them this is what I pray for. And this is what I got. Amen. Last, uh, the first week we looked at this series, we talked about attitudes and thinking for miracle living. That you've got to have a perspective about it. You can't just be a casual observer, just like whatever, whatever God wants to send to me. You know, if he wants to send a miracle to me, he knows I need one. Lord knows I need one. He knows where I live. He can just send one. We looked at that and said, you know, that may not be the best attitude, the best posture for receiving the supernatural. Amen. We may have to get a little more expectant, have to get a little lined up. One thing we learned is that you can plan and expect a miracle. Well, that just blew the lid off of a lot of pots. I tell you, just uh, uh, that you could plan for a miracle and you could expect a miracle. We thought they were just arbitrary. God just sent them down, you know, in his heavenly bingo. Then last week we looked at the integrity of the word of God, that what God said has integrity and that if he said it, he will do it. Hallelujah. Not half the time, not some of the time. We looked at the fact that what God said is what he meant and what he meant. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, mixed up it is exactly what he said. Amen. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them is what God said. Amen. So he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you would ask whatever you will and you would have it. So God's got a plan. He's got an agenda and he wants to put it into your life. Look here, if you would, in 2 Peter, the first chapter, in verse 2, we see an awesome scripture. Excuse me, 2 Peter, whatever I said, it's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Look here, it says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God. So, you know, right this morning. We're candidating ourselves for grace and peace to be multiplied to us. Anybody here got too much grace and peace in your life? Anybody could use another dose this morning. Praise God. Well, if you had a barking dog last night, you was trying to sleep and a barking dog of your neighbor. You know, you, you, you had visions of shooting that neighbor and then, uh, no, shooting the dog, I mean, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Well, grace and peace is being multiplied to you this morning through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us, say that's me, all things. How many things? All, all things. And what, what things? That pertain unto life and godliness. Now, everything that's good for your life, everything that pertains to your life, and everything that's godly. In other words, he's not giving you, uh, you know, God's not running drugs or, you know, that sort of thing, not counterfeiting money. 
but everything that pertains to life and godliness, he said he's given us all things. In God's mind, it's a past tense situation. He's already given unto us all things. So it's not the giving we're working on. Oh, God, give me, give me, give me. And you know that Brother Hagin always said, my, about that little boy, my name is Jimmy and I'll take all you'll give me. You know, hallelujah. But, you know, he's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, here it is in verse four. Whereby, here's the key, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great and precious promises. I want you to know right now this word in front of you, this Bible that you're holding in your hand has exceeding and great and precious promises. There's promises in here. It is black ink on white paper. It is something you can read. It's something you can uh, have a hundred of in your house. So I've got several dozen. Uh, Debbie and I have just, we got everything you can imagine and we're looking for more. But you know, inside of that is great, exceeding, precious all these promises of God, but you got to put a value on them. You got to say, you know, there's something precious in there. Yeah. It, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God being like a, a treasure that a man found in a field and having he went and sold everything he had so he could buy that field so he could have that treasure. Well, you know what? That's what this is right here. We are giving ourselves to buy this field because we found some treasure in here. Yeah. And he says there in verse four, he says, these are exceeding great and precious promises that by these, these exceeding great and precious promises that ye might be partakers of the divine nature. So God has a nature. He's put it in you and you stir it up. You activate it and you get it in your life by laying hold of these promises. The promises are it. It's not just reading the Bible. You know, there's some scripture in the Bible that doesn't have any promises in it. One of them is the begats. I tell you, the begats are hard to get through sometimes. You know, I mean, I know they've, they've proved all sorts of things that are precious about the Lord. And, but the begats, just for casual Sunday afternoon reading, are not where it's at. Hallelujah. Hurting in your body or needing a, a bill paid, that's not it. There's things in Leviticus. Whoo, and Numbers. Oh, my. Oh, my. You know, that you can go in there and you go, well, this is the word of God. And it is. But, you know, we got to stay over on the promises. They're the ones that are exceeding great and precious. So we got to find the promises. Well, you know, you got to know they're sprinkled in. They're sprinkled in. There's a lot of things there that are holding them up, kind of like when you put jelly on the toast. When you, put, when you butter a baked potato, you're not after the potato. When you put that stuff on that salad, you're not after that piece of lettuce. I'm not. I'm after the stuff. You know, that other just kind of gets it to you so you're not just taking the jar and just, you know, spooning it out. Hallelujah. You're not just taking the, the butter bar and just, you know, taking it in straight. Yes. And so there's things that are sprinkled in here. And you got you to gotta know what's the potato and what's the, the bacon and the butter and the sour cream and the pepper and the... No, we don't do chives. Oh, hallelujah. So you got to know what's good. You got to know what's good. And it's the promises that are the life and the ability of God. Amen. Miracle living is not politically correct. I'm here to announce you this morning that uh, the world has looked at people that want miracles in their life, want healing, want demonstrations, and they have put a stereotype on us. They have looked at us kind of like people out in California look at Alabamians used to, you know, that they were just, you know, thought Alabamians. I know I kind of had this conception. I didn't believe it. But, you know, it's like, 
Well, you know, there's nothing modern out there. They're all barefooted and everything. And people, when we came from Texas, said, well, how many oil wells do you have? And how many horses do you have? And all that sort of stuff. Well, they, they kind of stereotyped people that are after miracles. And I, I wrote down some things that say that uh, they could be lazy people. They're just wanting God to do their work. Or they're weak. Or they're dependent. Or they're uneducated. Or they're countryfied is one word. I didn't know how to spell it. I just did the best I could. Definitely they're religious folks that, that are looking for miracles, that are believing God, that kind of people that don't sit straight in their pew. Amen. That don't just, you know, don't just walk in one way and walk out the other, but they've got a certain look about them. That they could also be undignified, you know, undignified. You know, someone that's, that's dignified, you know, you just don't think of them of believing, on, believing God for a miracle or an impartation in their life. Sometimes they think they're fanatical. You know, just a stereotype or that they're desperate and at the very least that they'd be gullible folks. Just believe anything, you know, just anybody that could borrow a Bible stood up in church and preached and everybody just went wild. You know, now, there's a stereotype about those miracle folks, those supernatural uh, church uh, people. Amen. Have we punched any buttons this morning. Well, so we have to defy some things. We have to get past some things even to say, Lord, I'll take one of those. And then there's always the stereotype that says, well, it's just, you know, they're, 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 they're spitting in the wind, so to speak. It, it just hardly ever happens. And if it did, it was just something they, they blew up, you know. In other words, real miracles probably don't occur. It's like UFOs. They're all explainable. And so, you know, they've poo-pooed miracles away and miracle living. They've just, they've just said, you know, it just get, if you'll get real right, if you'll get really with God, well, you won't need those things. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the Lord absolutely wants you to live in the miracle realm. He is not happy if you aren't looking for and walking in and depending on the miracle living like the Lord Jesus. And I'm telling you, you're not very happy either if you're not. It's not working. You're making it work, but it's not working. We need help. We are desperate in a sense. We are down here called to do supernatural things, to have supernatural results, uh, to be happy. And yet we're in this trash heap called the world with all these evil people, all these, these, uh, these people without God. And we're supposed to be happy. I don't think so. We have to have help, don't we? We got we to gotta have supernatural help. If we depend on them, we're just always upset. If we're looking to them, we're always wound up. So we're looking to the Lord and he wants us to. And when we look to him, he's a rewarder. He's going to tell us some things. He's going to show us some things. We looked at some things concerning miracles and said that they're not arbitrary. They're not just uh, something that, uh, uh, that just comes whenever God gets ready. Now, I know he does, but I'm reminded when Moses was standing there at the Red Sea, all these millions of folks that he was responsible for, the armies of, uh, of Pharaoh bearing down on them. They've got the sea over here and got the desert over there. And, uh, you know, he, I can see him just kind of, you know, sniveling just a little bit saying, okay, big boy, what's this going to, what are you going to do up there? And God talks to him and says, you do something. You know, we look to God to do all the doing. But God told Moses, even back then, you do something. And talk to him about raising the rod in his hand. Amen. We talk, uh, we've looked into stories of, um, of, um, of, um, who was that uh, Moses that uh, or was it Joshua that that Aaron and her lifted his hands so that they could win the battle? Who was it? Moses. It was Moses. Should have said Moses. That was better. That was a better chance. Anyway, I knew it was one of those guys, but lifted his hands. And as long as his hands were lifted, yes. the victory was being won. But as soon as he got uh, his hands down, well, the victory was over. See, so there's a there's a part for God yes. 
And there's a part for you and I. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says in verse 27, God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God chose those. It says God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. My, my. Why would y'all run around on that stage this morning? Why would y'all take a lap around this church this morning? That sure seemed foolish. It sure looked foolish. Well, you know, God used it to confound the wise. If you, were, if you shaking your head and didn't get it, well, then you didn't get it. But there was something there to get. Amen. It says that he's chosen the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. And yea, things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. We just can't get puffed up as long as we're walking in that realm. We're dependent on him. If he doesn't come through, then we, we're just sunk. It just didn't happen. We just don't have any strengthening of ourselves. We just don't have any plan of ourselves. We don't have plan B that says if God doesn't come through, it's not going to happen. We just own God. And that's a wonderful place to be. And eventually you'll all, you'll all be there. You might as well just go now and save a whole bunch of that carnal and fleshly living. Amen. Just cut the struggle out and go straight to it. Amen. Even if you can do it on your own. Um, it seems like that miracles come in two forms. One form is that they are absolutely explainable. They seem natural. They seem ordinary. They seem routine. And yet God absolutely affected them and caused them to happen. And he's the source and the creator of it. But it came in natural means. Somebody walked up and gave you the money and it was exactly what you had to have to pay the, the rent. Well, it was a regular, regular person. It was U.S. dollars. It, everything was about it was natural. But you know it came from God. It wasn't anything uh, weird about it. It could have happened anywhere. But it never had until God stepped in. And then there's the unexplained, the, 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 the same things that it's like, how could this be? Where you've got to have something and there's nobody available or nothing available. You've got to have a creative miracle, something that, that nobody has to give you and there's no way to go and get it. Both of these things come from God. One of them defy the, the, uh, the, the senses, the, 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 the law of, of man. And the other one, it just seems like, hmm, that could have been an angel. That could, have been, that could have been the Lord Jesus himself meeting my need. But both of them came from God. Amen? Amen. And here's the thing. Both of them are always based on a promise out of God's word that was believed. However it comes, however it appears, however God gets it to you, however the relief comes, however the bounty comes, however the, the misery is cut off, they both come from him. They both come based on a promise out of God's word. So if the promise is the key to the door, how many of y'all know we ought to load up on a promise or two? We ought to get a promise in our life. We ought to be promise oriented. We ought to take God's word and say, you know, Lord, you said it. I'm holding you to it. And I'm not backing off until I see it, till I have it, till I'm walking it out. This is what you said. I'm just going to make you a liar or make you produce it one way or the other. Going to settle it. Going to settle it one way instead of letting God off the hook. Well, you never know what God's going to do. Well, you just ought not to be trying God like that. You know, he may have an alternate plan. He may have something he's doing on the side and he can't do his word because something's come up you don't know about. And so he has to do it another way. That's not a, an option. Quit letting God off the hook. He's big. He can figure out how to get it to you. You know, something else may have come up. He's big enough to just get around and figure it out and do it and keep his word too. 
He may, it may be that you do need teaching. Maybe you do need a lesson. Maybe God does need to teach you something. But he's not going to violate his word and he's not going to scuttle his promises in order to get that done. He's got another way. Yes. He's big. Y'all, yes. he's big. Yes, he he's able. He's more than able. And so he's going to keep his word. He's going to keep the integrity of his word uh, sound and sanctified in order to uh, produce this promise that's consistent that we can always depend on. I tell you, if I was God, my word was that important. I'd just let somebody be ignorant. If I had to teach them uh, by, by punishing them or putting sickness on them, I'd just let them just, just, just go through the, the ignorance rather than break my integrity. Amen. Well, we're going to chew on that in just a minute. Praise God. Amen. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, slip over there if you would just for a second. I want you to just see the scripture in verse 34. I want to tell you this morning, I want to declare to you now, there is never an exception to a promise of God. There is never an exception to a promise of God. Say it with me. There is never an exception to a promise of God. One more time. There is never an exception to to a promise of God. And see, I'm just telling you this morning, God keeps his promises. If you find the promise and you can position yourself to receive the promise, there's never an exception. Well, you know, I just messed up last week or, well, you know, I just, I really didn't need that as bad as I'm sure God, I thought I needed it, but God surely saw that I didn't need it as bad. There's no exception to the promises of God. In the last part of verse 34, he said, of a truth I perceive, let's read it together right here, verse 34, Ready, read. God is no respecter of persons. So here we have it, folks. If you, if you were born, if you were raised, if you were, if you were uneducated, no matter what your situation, no matter what's on the outside, God is no respecter of persons. If he ever did it for anyone, he will do it for you. If he ever healed anybody of what you're facing, he will heal you. If he's ever met a need at the zero hour, a great need, a tremendous need, he will do it for you. If he's ever brought a mate to somebody, if he's ever brought a child to someone, if he's ever raised anybody from the dead, he will do it for you. We got to get that thinking. We got to get this thing of saying, God, you said it, period. And quit, you know, mealy mouthing around saying, yeah, but yeah, well, it could be this and reasoning it out. You're not that good a thinker. We're not that good. Amen. But boy, we can believe. And so we're going to start putting our strength over on our assets. We're going to start believing rather than thinking. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I want to take you over to Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter 18. And I want to talk about the promises this morning for just a few minutes. And, and, and any time you look at promises or the, the, the promises out of the word becoming an always answered asker and looking at the promises, you got to look at Abraham because he went through a strenuous and, and, uh, and, uh, well, he just went through the toughest time. Now I know there's been people that have been through tough times, but Abraham won at it and, and he did it God's way. He did it God's way. Even though he messed up, even in his mess up, the principles were laid down. Now you got to ask yourself if you were God, you were looking out there, who you were looking for a father of faith, someone to be a demonstration. What would you use? 
Well, I'd probably find someone that had been in church all their life, someone that had been faithful and true, had started, you know, been raised up, and, and they, they, were the, they, they were helping in children's church and always came, had good parents and all that sort of stuff. And then they got up older. They were tithing and serving and going out on outreach and all of that, been to Bible school, had a correspondence course going, had two or three translations of the Bible, had a great family. But God looked down and found Abraham, whose father was an idolater. He came from bad family. <laughs> Didn't come from good family at all. Uh, Worship the moon god. Big into the moon. You know, big moon god guys, you know. The whole family was that way. But it says here in chapter 18, verse 19, that God chose him for something else. No matter where you've been, God can qualify you. It says here of, of God saying to Abraham, I know him. What do you know, Lord? That he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment. And that the Lord, that the Lord, the Lord chose him that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. God needs someone that will cooperate. God needs someone that will just has it in their heart to go the distance. Not a fly by night or not someone that's hot at the beginning, but you can't find them by the weekend. But someone that's just steady. Someone that just says, okay, I'll do that. You'll see me here next week. You'll see me here next year. I'll be there. I may not be a flash in the pan, may not be the hottest thing that ever walked, but I'll be here, Lord. Yes. And I'll tell my kids about it. Everything I'm living, I'll instruct them. Everything my servants uh, need, I, they'll come from me. We won't have any hanky-panky, any moon god business going on in my house. If I'm a moon god man, everybody's a moon god man. If I'm a Jehovah man, well, then everybody's going to be a Jehovah man. Yes. And that's what God looked at. And that's what he's still looking at. If you want to use, be used by God, you got to look in here. Forget the outward stuff. The outward stuff will be a reflection of what the inward man's doing. You get this right, the rest of it will line up. Forget where you've been. Forget what you did. Forget what you didn't do. Forget what's going on right now. It means nothing to God. He just wants to know where you plan to be next week. Well, Lord, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be serving you. Lord, I'm going to be telling people about you. Well, you know, it may be that you don't. Next week you may fall off, but you want to stay on. You want to keep going. you you got a heart after it. God's looking for you. And God came to this man, and in three different instances, he began to tell him and give him a promise. Look in chapter 12. He talked to Abram straight up the first time. He was, he was in a, uh, the original country. And in verse 1, he told him to get out of thy country. Get out of thy country and away from your kinfolks. You know, that's a good word right there sometimes. Praise God. And from thy father's house into a land that I'll show thee. And immediately... He jumped up and said, I'll do that. And, and in verse two, he said the promise, I'll make thee. Notice that's future tense. I'll make thee a great nation and I'll bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing and I'll bless them that bless thee, curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So that's the first time God talked to him about a promise. Now, you know, he didn't have any kids. So the promise is here, but I'm sure Abram looked at it and said, you know, that could mean a lot of things. In verse 7, he appeared to him here. Another incident in verse 7, it said, appeared to him and said the second time, unto thy seed, thy children, will I give this land. Future tense. And there he built it, he an altar. So God spoke to him the second time about the promise. You know, Abram couldn't go look in the Bible like you and I. He couldn't get the tape after the service and see what God said again. You know, I'm going to transcribe that and write that down. And then in chapter 15, he talks to him again. In verse 2, 
Well, let's look in verse 1. It says, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. Third time God's talked to him. He said, And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Now I want you to know right there, you can tell. Abraham hadn't caught it yet. But you know, God kept talking to him about one thing, about the promise. He always just came to him and straight up, he didn't talk about him. How's the crops doing? How's the little wife doing? You know, how, how's the fields doing? You know, got good rain this year. He talked to him first up about the promise. He busted in on the scene and said, did you get my promise? And so Abram just, he's honest. He said, you know, you, be, you keep talking about this. But, you know, the only thing I'm interested in is, is this family business, and I hadn't got one yet. How many of y'all know he hadn't learned to call things that be not as though they were? He was still in the process of the promise. Remember that. You're going to have to get into a process of the promise. The promise always has a process. And he said there in verse 3, Behold, thou hast given me no seed, and lo, one born in mine house is mine heir. In other words, a servant. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him. Now, here comes the word of the Lord, the promise again. He said, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, now look toward heaven. Tell the stars if thou art able to number them. And he said unto them, so shalt thy seed be. So the third time, the same promise. We're not moving on. We're not getting ahead. God just keeps working on this man until he gets the promise. He's working on you right now. Preaching and sermons and cassette tapes and books, all they are is designed to get it another way to you so you'll get a hold of the promise. You're not going to have a miracle apart from the promise. People don't, they don't want that. They want it a different way. They want it through good works. They want it through long suffering. They want it through, you know, I didn't kill anybody and they didn't catch me for what I did steal and, and all this stuff, but it's not it. It's the promise. It's the great equalizer. He's no respecter of persons. If you can get the promise in there, he'll bless the promise. If it's on you and in you, you'll get the blessing. Can you get the promise inside of you? It doesn't matter where you are, what you've done, what you could do. The promise is what God's blessing. Amen. So in chapter 17, we see that Abraham is willing to submit to the promise, the process of the promise, the process of the promise. Now, see, you're in process, church. Family, you're in process. This, this isn't just like information on Sunday morning, come back Wednesday night, get information. Healing school, what's the, what's the deal about healing school? Why go there? Because we're getting ourselves aligned up as the process of the promise so we can bring it to bear to have the reward of the promise. Every promise has a reward. So it's not that God's holding back. Never. The promise from God is already done. It's complete. It's yes and amen in him. As far as he's concerned, we said yes. It's come down from the highest jurisdiction. We've signed it. We've sent it. It's done. It's law from God's side. I've already sent that down. What are you asking me about this for? Healing and, and everything. I've already said yes. Well, what is the problem, Lord? We hadn't received it. He said, that's exactly it. You haven't received it. It's somewhere in between. You're going to have to reach out and get it inside of you. You're going to have to receive the promise. Did you know you could receive a lot of things and them not be the promise? You could receive religion. Well, we just go to church all the time. We just give. We just do. We just, you know... Uh, that's not the promise. 
We've had several testimonies of peoples over the years that, that thought that sickness couldn't come on them because they did right. They lived right. They served God. They, they, they were zealous for the Lord. They were witnesses of him. But they never tapped into the promise, whether it be healing. By his stripes, I was healed. That's a promise. So just being around the promise, uh, being hearing the promise, uh, being in a place that believes the promise isn't enough. You've got to submit to the process of the promise to receive the promise, to be an always answered asker. Amen. So chapter 17, he says in verse 4, the same thing. He said, Abraham fell, Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Future tense. Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Past tense. On the fourth time, he caught it. I have made thee. From God's side, he's got through talking to Abram about what the plan was, and he said, it's done. I've made thee the father. Well, in that, he changed his name. And he began to call, be named father of many. Down in verse 17, you'll see that he, began, he turned Sarah, Sarah's name to Sarah, and she became mother of nations. Well, hello. Pass the salt, please, mother of nations. Hello. These eggs are a little soggy, mother of nations. Could you throw them in and run them through again? Hallelujah. All day, every day, they addressed each other, signed their checks. Father of nations. Mrs. Father of Nations, you know, just, you know, everything they did. You got to sign this card that you got to fill out this documentation. Here she is, Mother of Nations, signing it out. It became a part of their life. They held on to the promise and the promise was sure. Now, it's the same thing with you and I. The promise is sure. To be an always answered asker, you got to lay hold of the promise. You can't dance around it. You can't say, I wish I had it. I can't, you can't say, I know some things. We do know some things, but that's not enough. You've got to lay hold of the promise. Amen? Amen? Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Let's talk about what a promise does. A promise is like a seed. You notice when you plant a seed, the seed begins to make a demand on the soil. The soil does not come and minister to the seed and say, oh, Mr. Seed, I'm so glad to see you here. What can we do for you? No, there's phosphates and there's nitrates and there's, uh, uh, you know, there's all the eights that are in the, in the soil and the, the sulfur and the magnesium. All the things are in the soil that are just in there. They're just, you can drive over them. You can, you know, you can put them in the back of your truck. But when a seed hits that soil, it makes a demand on the environment. It takes what it wants. And certain seeds take more things. You plant potatoes, potatoes are going to have a different demand on the soil than if you plant a sunflower or if you, if you plant beans. Amen? And so, uh, you know, certain flowers, what, some flower that, you know, you have to put an acid in the soil and it turns one color and you put a, a, a base thing in the soil and it turns another color. Hydrangeas, yes, that's what, and so, so they're there, but it's the seed that makes the demand on the environment. It takes what it wants. If there's just barely enough there, it takes all of it. If there's plenty there, it'll take more of it and it'll be a bigger and a better whatever it is. Well, the promise is the same way. The promise engages the fight to produce itself. The seed will produce itself and it will fight for everything it needs to produce itself. 
In other words, you put a cantaloupe seed in the, seed in the ground, whatever's in cantaloupes, whatever makes a cantaloupe a cantaloupe, it will draw it out of the soil to make the cantaloupe. If you get a hold of a promise, the promise has the fight in it to produce whatever the promise is. So if, you, if you're believing God, you've got a promise, a healing promise, then that healing promise will draw from the environment, the spirit realm, everything it needs in order to produce the promise. Are y'all with me this morning? So if you, if you get a prosperity uh, 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 promise, a seed, and you buy, uh, he supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you set that promise out there, it begins to make a demand on people and on manufacturing and on businesses and on money that's hidden and money that's been left behind and money that all sorts of things, it begins to, to fulfill itself. It begins to pull and draw from the environment to fulfill itself. So if you don't have a promise, you don't have anything fighting for you. You're just out there hoping and praying. Well, God, are you going to do anything? There's no seed in the ground. There cannot be fruit until there's a seed in the ground. Until there's a promise in your heart, there cannot be anything pulling or fighting for you. Well, this is good, y'all. I'm telling you, it'll change your life if you'll get in there. To be an always answered asker, you've got to have a promise working in your life. God looks at the promise. He doesn't look at good works because then he'd have to look at bad works. <laughs> and he's no respecter. He doesn't look at education. He doesn't look at, you know, how long you've been doing it. Well, bless God, I've been serving him for 50 years. And this little, this little whip, whippersnapper, this little pipsqueak came in last weekend. And, you know, he's already believing God. He's already, already got a miracle of healing. God's already fixed him up. And here I am. What's the deal? It's the promise, y'all. Faith is the equalizer of all men. Wherever you came from, no matter what you've done, if you'll put faith in your heart, if you'll stir up faith in your heart, you can be there by the weekend. It really doesn't matter what else you do or don't do. If you can get that, you're equalized. So we see a great disparity in the church. People don't know that. So they're all around the promise. They're even celebrating the promise. They're even preaching the promise. But they haven't got the promise inside working for them, drawing and pulling and fighting for them to fulfill the promise. Amen. An always answered asker knows that God is the life giver. Whatever's broke, whatever's dead, whatever's sick, whatever's little, whatever's lacking, the Bible says that God quickens the dead. He makes alive, he resurrects what's broke, what's dead, what's failing. You've got to know that. If you're an always answered asker, you can't look to anybody. Now, God may use somebody. He may go to someone and they'll obey him, but you can't go to them. They won't obey you. you, you you'll, be trying to, you'll be trying to inject phosphate into the seed. You'll be trying to, to, to put some ammonia on top of the plant. It won't work. It has to draw for itself. I was farming for 10 years and you could over-fertilize. Did you know you could put too much of a good thing on it? You could just put that in there. It would burn it. It couldn't take it. And what you did to make more actually decreased it and hurt the crop. So it's got to come from within in the plant itself. I want you to notice that uh, one significant thing about Abram is that he would say what God would say. After the promise was given, what he heard the promise, he began to say the promise. He began to call things that be not as though they were. The only way you can do that 
is if you hear him say it. When you hear the promise, you can say the promise. If you hear the promise and don't say the promise, you haven't got the promise. Because the promise always speaks. I wonder if I'm in faith about it. Well, you just listen to yourself or have someone listen to you. Well, they are anyway. Hallelujah. You got to speak the promise. Well, I'll just start speaking it. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Oh, thank you, Lord, I'm healed, I'm healed. That's not it, is it? You got to get it where it's down inside. When, when you get up and it hurts so bad, or when you go to the doctor and they say it's so bad, all you can say is the promise. You don't argue, well, I thought I was healed. Well, I, I, I thought this thing worked. No, bless God, it's in you. The promise is operating. It's come to the forefront. It's taken charge, amen? And one thing about uh, uh, Abraham is, is when he started talking about the promise, he got off the negative side. Did y'all know people want to talk even when there's nothing to talk about? People like to just hear themselves. <laughs> well, if we're going to talk, we might as well have something good to say. And if you're saying the good, chances are you're going to filter out or not ever get to the things that aren't good. When you're concentrating on saying, by his stripes I'm healed, he supplies all my need. Uh, uh, great is the peace of my children for they are taught of the Lord. If you're saying that, you don't have as much opportunity to say, doggone, when are they going to straighten up? Doggone, I thought I was healed, but I heard all over. You know, we'll, we'll start saying something coming out of us and it'll eclipse the flow that uh, would try to come out of us. Abraham started saying things and it started, uh, uh, you know, he, he wasn't able to say, you know, we still don't have any kids. Well, Ma, we still don't have any. You know, I wonder if we're going to get any kids. All they could say is mother of nations and father of many. Amen. And then uh, I noticed that they dealt with the soul realm when they started talking like this. Most of our trouble's in the soul, y'all. It's in the mind. Say, my mind, my mind needs, help. needs help. Absolutely. It needs help. Uh, one thing they looked in the soul realm is they looked, uh, they fought the fight of common sense. And this is what we all do. When we're in faith, we begin to fight the fight of common sense. In other words, here's what, here's what they would have said. You know, if God wanted us to have kids, he knew where we were when we were 20. Dear Lord, we didn't move anywhere in our 30s. We were, we were wide open. We were still having fun, you know, in our 40s. Where was God then? And so they begin to come against the, the, the deal like here we are in our 90s. If God really wanted us to have kids, why did he wait so long? We've certainly been available. Well, hello. Amen. Then they had the fight of experience, the fight of barrenness. It's like, okay, we know it was Sarah that was barren because after this thing all got fixed and Sarah went on to glory, Abraham went out and got him a new wife at 127 and just kept on having kids. The man, the man was strong. Hallelujah. So, it, but they were fighting this thing. They were, they were dealing with this thing that says, you know, here we are. We're all these years and we've never had kids. So that worked against their mind. And then they had the fight of nature. That even if they were fertile, even if they were abounding, even if everything was working right, you know, even if they had 20 kids, they're up in their years and they're going, you know, nature just doesn't work like it used to. How many of y'all would testify that this, you know, just in our life, that when you get older, things don't work as good as they used to? Oh, well, I can tell you it does. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, are you in Romans chapter four, verse 17? Look at what Abraham did. He said, it is written as it is written. I have made thee a father of many nations. See, it was written. The promise was written. How many of y'all know y'all have a promise that's written? It covers everything you will ever face. There is a written promise. And the more specific of a promise you can get, 
the more victory, the more success, the, the greater rate of return you'll have. If you just have a rate, that, uh, a promise you just said, well, he blesses everybody, you know, it's going to be a little harder for you to focus on that. Amen? But if you have a promise that talks about elbows being healed and you happen to have an elbow situation, I'm telling you, you're, you're almost there. Amen? Uh, verse 18, who against hope? No, verse 17, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according, look, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. There's the promise, isn't it? So Abraham believed the promise and he spoke the promise. It says in verse 19, not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20 says he staggered not. That word staggered literally in the Greek means he refused to be separated. He staggered not. He would not be separated from the promise. You know, the devil's come to steal, kill, and destroy, to separate you from the promise, to get you where you don't believe the promise, where you think God didn't mean it. That was for somebody else. What you did last month or what you did when you was little certainly had a factor on it, and you'll talk yourself out of the promise. He staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded, fully persuaded. I tell you, once you have a promise in you, you're going to get fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore, he had it. I'm telling you, God wants you to have a promise. He wants you to get the promise inside of you. Forget the begats. Forget, you know, if you want to study numbers, get it after you get a promise or two working in your life. If you want to get over in Deuteronomy, bless you. Hallelujah. But, you know, wait until you have a promise. You know, you get new believers and they get a Bible, you know, and they know what to do. And they open it up and they'll fall into, into, into Leviticus. And, you know, it's not long. You know it's not long till they're tired of that. We got to send them somewhere. Like Ephesians or Galatians or Philippians or Colossians. We got to send them somewhere where there's promises. Where we find out who we are in Christ Jesus. The promise of the Spirit. That as He is, so are we in the world. Amen. That by his stripes ye were healed. That my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That if you'll give, it'll be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. And with what measure you measure, it'll be measured unto you. I, we got to get over in the promises. We got to live by the promises. Jesus is the promise. Amen. So we're going to become an always answered asker. Let me tell you five things that the always answered asker always does. He hears and reads according to the promises. When you're reading, when you're hearing the still small voice, you're listening for the promise, saying, Lord, what did you just promise me? You know, if it just sounds like that you're in between stations on the radio and you can't hear it, it's not God talking because he's always talking the promises. Y'all say Amen. He's talking promises. He doesn't have a, a, a B channel that said, let me give you some information. All the information is just to get you on the promise. Number two, he talks according to the promises. We're not talking anything if it doesn't have the promise in it. And we're not talking when we're talking promises here about generalities. We're not talking about uh, 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 things that... Uh, uh, that are paraphrased. I know you talk to people. What are you believing, sir? What are you believing? Well, I'm just believing God will do something. How many of y'all know that's not a promise? That's right. You can't get anything from God saying, well, I'm just standing on his word. 
It didn't happen. You're not. What, what is his word? Well, you know, I'm just I'm just believing God. That's not it. We got scripture. We got verse. We got the thing. God's honoring his word. We could go on and on and on. But, you know, we talked about it last week, the integrity of his word. If you'll bring his word back to him, it fits. It's a it's a it's like a P.O. It's like a, 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 a an order that comes in to heaven. The promise fits. And he he uh, what he called it. He ships it out based on the promise plugging in. But just I'm believing God for help. It doesn't fit anywhere. Code denied. Amen. Thirdly, are you, are you still helping me here? Thirdly, the, the dream, you, we dream according to the promise. People have weird dreams and weird visions. And how you can measure them and judge them is, what do they do to the promise? Because everything God's given you, he's given you according to the promise. So if you're not dreaming according to the promise, your dreams have a high failure rate built in. Number four, we ask according to the promise. Oh, that's where we're at right now. I'm asking according to the promise, not based on what I've done, what I hadn't done, what what Susie did to me. You know, we're not we're not. It's just Lord, Lord, you said you promised. And now I'm asking you according to the promise. Amen. And then number five, we live according to the promise. We're not we're not getting God to give us something to to minister to us and then going off and living in something that's not the promise. We got to have, when he heals you, he's healed you to be a promise keeper, a promise taker, a promise liver, liver, hallelujah, <laughs> person who lives, praise God. He's, he's put something in you according to the promise so that you like Abraham will train your children after you, that you will be a covenant keeper and you'll spread the word. Look what God does according to his promises. Now this morning, God's given you a promise. You may not have defined it. You may not have laid hold of it. You may never have ever written it down, but that's going to change today. Maybe. We're going to go home, and if we expect anything from God, we're going to write down. We're going to know what he said about us. You got debts? There's, there's scriptures that God said. I, I've, I've already dealt with those. You got sickness in your body? Oh, yeah, but I'm 70. I, you know, you're supposed to feel bad. Hello? Not according to the promise. With long life, he said he'd satisfy you and show you his salvation. So let's just go ahead and get on the promise. We're going to change it. Instead of just saying, well, I go to a church that really believes in the promises. It's not going to happen, is it? It's going to have to be what's in your heart. Always answered asker. I'm an always answered asker. I believe God and I have what God promised. Let's stand up this morning. Hallelujah. Now, right now, right where you're.